Welcome to Life Talks with Lauren. This podcast is all about having conversations around what's real for us and swapping shame and judgment for courage and connection. We'll cover topics like self-love, relationships, body image, mental health, and so much more. Think of it like getting together with one of your good friends and chatting about life. So grab your glass of wine, mug of tea, or your favorite drink, and let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Life Talks with Lauren podcast. It's been a minute. We will definitely get into it, um, but I wanted to get back. I keep saying I'm going to get back into it. But my friend Crusher, shout out to you, from Roller Derby, reached out this week and was telling me how she's been listening and just, um, I don't know, some of her takeaways from it. And she also has a friend that's been listening. And I had kind of like, I've never lost passion for the podcast. It's just been really hard to stay consistent, to rebuild the habit of staying consistent with it. I've been, you know, busy with school and stuff and then life. And by the end of the week, I'm always like, what am I doing? Like, who am I? And so I'm actually staying home on a Saturday night, which wasn't unusual when we first moved to Oki. But now that my husband Jason is deployed, I've been um, going out a lot. And my neighbor downstairs is about to leave permanently in a few weeks. So I've just been really enjoying time with her. And so I've been living life, but I am taking a break from going out tonight and I'm being responsible. I'm trying to get in the habit of like, I don't know, I'm one of those people that goes really hard during the week and then completely veges out on the weekend. And the thing with that is that I don't leave any room for my passion projects. So right now, one of my passion projects is obviously this podcast. It's writing for myself. Um, so I'm a creative writing major and I'm about to get my BA in creative writing in July. And so I've just been writing so much for school that by the end of the day, my brain is like fried and I'm like, mm. but there's so much I want to write. I want to write more poetry and personal essays. I want to start on my next book. Um, and then I've been working on style content, like very half-assed again. So for this episode, I'm going to talk about where I've been because I started up at the beginning of the year. Oh my God. I'm like looking at the date. It's April 1st. This is wild. April fools. He, um, it's just wild because I had started strong in January. I was like, Oh, I'm going to structure the podcast again. And I still haven't decided like, is it that I am lacking structure or I don't like having structure with the podcast. I am still like, I mean, exploring that. Obviously, I haven't been doing it for a while. So, but like my plan was like, oh, in January, like starting up strong. And then the universe was like, haha, we have other plans for you, bitch. Because on January 8th, I was at roller derby practice and I broke my ankle. And a few days later, I got surgery and then my husband deployed. And honestly, I'll get into it. So for this episode, I'm going to talk about what that experience was like, breaking my ankle, what recovery was like, what it's been like, because I'm still in recovery. And then I would like to touch on a few other things. Um, A lot of people have been asking me like for my photos that I post on Instagram and stuff like how did they look good while they're posing? And so I'm just going to share a few tips that I learned from Ella Halikis on, she was in the podcast on, on the podcast, Burning in Hell, like B E 
B-E-R-N-I-N-G, Hannah Burner, I think it is. I follow her on TikTok. Anyway, she was talking about it, so gave me some inspiration and reminders of like what has helped me feel more comfortable in front of the camera. And then I would also like to talk about something that's been on my mind a lot this week, which is using male gaze as validation for like how we feel as women about ourselves and about our bodies. So if I don't, if I go too long into the ankle story, then we'll touch on that next week. But I just want to give you a heads up of what I'm thinking about this week. So really, we're just like catching up on my life this week because that's been my life for the last few months is my recovery. I feel like I've been talking about it so much, but it was such a big event in my life. So two years ago when we first got here, I ended up in the hospital with like severe stomach pains and turns out I had like gallbladder stones that got stuck like in a tube. So I had to have like a procedure done and then ended up getting my gallbladder removed. And that was a really traumatic experience. At that time I was in the hospital for a week. I got sent off to an off base uh, Japanese hospital for like five of those days and nobody spoke English and I was in a new country and I couldn't have visitors and then my aunt unexpectedly died during that visit, like one of the closest people to me. Um, so if you've been listening to this podcast or you know me, that's another one of those like life events I talk about a lot. And I think of my ankle breakage as another one of those events that I'll probably be talking about because it was not necessarily a defining moment. More so than anything, I feel like I learned a lot about how far I've come. It was like good validation for the work that I've done on myself and my mindset that prepared me for this moment to be able to withstand like an injury and bounce back pretty, I would say effortlessly. I still don't know if I like numbed out or dissociated like the whole last few months, but either way, I handled it so much better than I thought I would because my biggest fear in roller derby was that I was gonna hurt myself. And here we are. Um, and I hurt myself and I survived it and I'm actually planning on going back to derby. So I must really like it. Anyway, I mean, other than that, life is really good. I feel like I've finally found my stride here. I have really good friends. My derby, derby family has been everything to me. And then beyond that, I've made friends and I just feel so grateful. I was walking down the street actually to Crusher's house the other night. It was a really pretty night and the sun was like starting to set and the temperature was just like that perfect like 70 degrees where you just feel so comfortable. And the view of course is always gorgeous of all the green trees and at Japan, I was going to say Japan as a whole, but like Okinawa is very green, very green island. And I was just like thinking and reflecting. And I, I asked myself that question. I was like, am I happy? And I had to really like allow my body to answer the question. And it was like, yeah, like I feel so at peace. I feel so comfortable and safe in my relationship and my friendships. I get to wake up every day doing what I'm passionate about, which is writing and creating. And I just feel like really good and really peaceful. You know, the last few years were so volatile at parts. Um, and so getting out of that has felt like really 
if it's felt really good. So I was in a really peaceful place in terms of like, um, like everything was like really chill. Like I was ready to start the year with like a running start because I had built up really good habits and, um, yeah, I was like really pushing it and ready to like just integrate everything at once. And like I said, the universe had other plans, which is good. Like I'm really starting to learn that I, um, when I am tested and I don't know if like there's a force out there being like, Hey, like let's test Lauren see how she's doing. But, <laughs> but I see it that way. Like when things happen, I used to feel that I couldn't handle it, that I was like too fragile. And now I realize like I'm so strong and every time an obstacle is in my way, that's what makes me stronger is sometimes in the moment, like it is really hard, but you have to like let your body feel those feelings so that it can process them and then you can move beyond it and then you learn like for the next time. And that's the place that I was in when I broke my ankle was like I had built that resilience. So like I said, it was the start of the new year. I, um, I was talking about all my goals and stuff. And then I had tacos. Oh, one of my friends made Bedia tacos and we had like margaritas. We had like a game night. It was a Saturday night and I had Sunday morning practice the next night. Also, I didn't have margaritas. That's right. I was, I was the DD, but they wanted me to like drink and hang out longer. And I was like, no, I have practice in the morning. Cause I don't mess around with hangovers for practice anymore. Now that like the expectations are higher. And so I would be like, no, like I'm not, <laughs> that was the one thing that like kept me aligned on the weekends. Now I'm just going crazy. But anyway, uh, my friends were like, oh, you should stay and like hang out and drink. Like, let's just get practice tomorrow. And I was like, no, I got to go. And I think that night I was talking about my fear. And then the next morning at practice, I was talking to the coach about my like extreme fear. Like I was like, I don't even know if I actually like enjoy this sport. I don't know why I keep coming back. I think I love the challenge and, but I'm just so scared of getting hurt. And so we had a really good practice. So practices are like an hour and a half long. So we're getting toward the end. We were like in the last like 10 minutes and we are practicing a scrimmage, which is like, um, in roller derby, a game is called a bout. So we were doing a scrimmage and scrimmages are what always scare me. Cause that's when you're like actually practicing the game and things can get really chaotic and people, people get wild. And so um, I always thought like, I was like, if I get injured, it's going to be somebody else like being crazy. And so, um, I guess it's hard to explain exactly how I got injured if you don't know the sport. So I'll just say that there was like a thing, there's a thing called bridging where basically I'm like trying to like hold the, make sure there's not a huge gap between the two. I forget how many feet, like you can't be more than 10 feet apart or something between the two groups of blockers. And so I did this thing called bridging where I, and I had never done it cause I'm usually, um, in a different position. So I was like really excited to be able to try it. And so I was like, Oh, I got a, I got a bridge. And then, um, I went to put my arms out like in a T and I fell backwards onto, and like, as it happened, it was in slow motion. Like I knew, I think maybe I started to fall and then overcompensated by going backwards. It's all kind of a blur at this point, but, 
um, I started to go back and it was, and I knew that my like foot was trapped under me, like in the back and that I was about to land on my ankle and I, there was just nothing I could do about it. And so I like had a moment of acceptance as I was going down. I was like, well, just as I thought trash. Let me know if you know that saying, because I've been saying it all weekend, like quoting it. And half the people I know know it and like half don't. But anyway, that's what I was, I was like, it's crazy how things just like slow down. And as I landed on my ankle, I felt the pop. And so I like fell and I was like, um, I was like, I yelled out, like you could hear me across the gym. And I've heard a few stories from people recently about how they like broke their ankles or broke something. And they were just like laying there and they're like, well, this doesn't feel right. And I'm like, how the fuck? Like, I literally felt a wave of pain just crash over my body. Just from the ankle, it went from my ankle up my entire body. And I was like, oh my God, I broke my fucking ankle. I was like screaming. And nobody saw it because when you bridge, you kind of go off on your own. So like, they just look over and I'm like on the ground screaming. And everyone's surrounding me and I am like writhing in pain and... Then, um, then I was, yeah, I was just like, they were like checking it out. Cause in my mind, I've never broken anything. And so I didn't even want to look at it. I was like thinking my foot is detached from my, like my leg, like my foot is hanging off. Cause that's what it felt like. It felt really unstable because the way that it broke, it kind of like pulled something. I don't know the medical terms for it, but, um, but yeah, so I was just like laying there and I was like, I don't even want to look at it. And all my teammates were like, oh, like it looks, so, it looks fine actually. And, um, shout out to Brawl and my other teammate who was, she was like running her fingers through my hair and, uh, asking me questions to distract me because I was like really freaked out. I was shaking, crying, and it's scary like when that's never happened and you have no idea what's like going on in your body and so yeah so the paramedics came and checked it out and they were like yeah it's probably just a sprain and so they were like well will you out to my husband's car so he could take me to the er and it was so cute the team like lined up facing they made two lines facing each other and they wheeled me out in the center of them and they all high-fived me as i like walked out so i did like a little it was like a movie moment. I was like, I wish I had that on video, but also not because it was like oddly embarrassing, but also so endearing. So uh, yeah, so then we went to the ER, we were there. And again, like they started to see it because I went to sit down to get like prepped or whatever for, to be seen. And the girl had to unwrap it for a moment. And I was like, looked up and I was like, I'm not looking. And she was like, no girl, like you really need to look. It's not that bad. And I looked down, it was like slightly swollen. I was like, oh, <laughs> it's intact. I'm alive. And so, yeah, so got the x-rays, which was really fucking painful because they did it without giving me meds first. And so they're like asking me to like move in all these directions and oh my God, it was so painful. But yeah, the doctor came in. She's like, yeah, unfortunately, I was hoping it would be different, but it's a break. And then upon further inspection, it was like a good clean like break. She was like, if there was going to be any break, like this is the good kind of break to have. But in the breaking process, it like pulled, like I said. So it like created the separation between the three bones, the tibia, fibula, and like, I don't know, the one that is your foot or whatever. 
Um, the foot, I, I studied anatomy and physiology in college, actually, but I forgot everything I learned. Um, but anyway, yeah, so just basically, like, I surgery wasn't mandatory, but in order for it to, like, ensure it, heal, it healed properly and stuff, um, it, she recommended getting surgery and getting a plate put in there to just put everything back together. And so I was like, well, yeah, the healthcare like that we have in the military is like included and I don't want to have to come back for the, to this later with like other issues. And so I was like, heck yeah, like I'll get surgery. Even though I was freaking terrified because when I woke up from my gallbladder surgery a few years ago, I was like, um, I was throwing like it, first of all, it took them a while to wake me up. And then once I was awake, I was like throwing up and so nauseous. So I was like, oh gosh, like what if I die in surgery? Like that's my fear. I'm sure like, have you ever had that fear? Because I know a lot of people do. It's like, you know, anesthesia is a little scary. So a few days later, I underwent surgery and they actually, I, I learned that waking up from like stomach surgeries and stuff is a little bit more painful. And that's probably where like the nausea came from. But also they did this like pain, this nerve blocker procedure thing or shot. I don't even know, but they inserted it above my knee, like right above my knee, I think. And so that it numbed my leg from, or yeah, it numbed my leg from the knee down. And so I didn't feel it for, I think it wears off in about two days or something, which is actually kind of scary. But, um, yeah, so I had that and then so I woke up from surgery and I actually woke up pretty quickly and I remember waking up and feeling like I just like woke up from a good night's sleep and I hear the nurse like faintly calling my name. She's like, Lauren, Lauren, because I remember the first time I had gotten surgery for the gallbladder and like I heard like I heard someone for a while like Lauren. Lauren, Lauren and I like heard it but I couldn't like I was somewhere else I couldn't like respond to it and then I finally did and that's when I was like Ooh. but this time I heard like Lauren and then I oh, I fluttered my eyes open and I looked around and I was like whoa I feel so good like she was like how are you feeling I was like I feel good and so she was like are you like ready to go like she wanted to move me from the bed into a chair so they could like prep me to leave. And I was like, yeah. So they like rolled me over and they're like, do you think you can stand? I just stood right up. I mean, obviously not on the leg, but I was like, I was ready to party. And my husband was like making all these jokes with me, like, cause he had to take me to the bathroom. I think he like made a sexual joke or something like that's Jason. And uh, the nurse was like, you two are so cute. And um, yeah, so I was like out of there pretty quickly. And then the next part was just me going home and that was a slower part like because I could I could only go home and just like lay on the couch um, for a few days. But they called me the next morning for the follow up like questions like just to check up on me. They're like, what's your pain level? And I was like, zero. <laughs> I was it was great. And then a few days later, we had to take Jason to the airport to leave for his deployment that part was a little bit like I was worried. I actually signed up for better help um, therapy because I was like, I wanted to get ahead of it in case anything like happened. Because after the gallbladder 
whole, the whole gallbladder incident, I went into a deep depression and I had a group of friends at that time that we, that just kind of fell off. Like I, and I, I blamed myself for that. Like I felt, and I actually, I really, that was the time I really needed friends the most. And, um, but I didn't know how to say it. And I, yeah, that was a horrible time. And so I had just come out of that, like, like really come out of that. And I was feeling really good. So I was so scared I was going to go back to that place. And so, yeah, so I signed up for online therapy. Jason left. I came home after my friends dropped me off from after coming back from the airport. And I got into the house and I looked around and I was like, am I supposed to feel things right now? (laughs) Like it was a lot, a lot of overwhelming um, just emotions, but not like. I think it was too much for me to process at once. So I think I started to cry. I was like, then uh, uh. <laughs> I just stopped. And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> and like moved on with, um, I, th- oh, I think what I did at first is I started to like scroll on my phone and I turned on the TV. I think I started to numb and then I recognized what I was doing. I was like, oh, I know this. Like when I don't want to feel things, I just do numbing behaviors which used to be food, used to be alcohol. I learned, I trained myself to not use those as emotional crutches anymore. And so that transferred into now um, doing the double, like having a show on and scrolling or playing a game at the same time so that I'm just completely numbed out, which sometimes I do need, of course. But at that time I knew I was like, I need to feel things as they come up. Otherwise it's just gonna get stuck. So. I did. So I was like, okay, girl, you got to turn off the TV. And I just had to get myself up. And I think I made some tea. I put on some music, lit some candles and just like got the vibe going. So, you know, get those healing vibes going and everything else from there, like kind of went quickly because every week there was like a new milestone. It was like, well, I think the first time it was like two weeks, then I got my splint off and was transferred to a boot. And so it was like, oh, my first week with a boot. But then the week after I got to drop one crutch. And then the week after that, I got to drop both crutches. And then I got to like get rid of the boot. So there was like a progression. I think I was, um, I almost said incapacitated, but I don't think that's right. I was like out of commission, I guess, for, I want to say six weeks total. Like I couldn't drive or anything. So everyone had to do everything for me, which was really, really hard. That was the biggest challenge for me. So I actually was pretty independent around the house. I learned to like crutch around and like hold stuff. And, you know, I took a few spills on the crutches because I'm clumsy. I was, I was clumsy on them, but otherwise, like, I don't know, even when, even right before Jason deployed, he was like you know, wanted to do everything for me. And I was like, no, like, I really need to learn how to do this on my own. I wanted, I told my doctor, the ortho, like, I was like, I want a really active recovery because right before I got injured, I had built myself up to, I was working out six days a week and I was, so I'd roller derby practice twice a week. And then I was doing spin classes twice a week and then lifting weights three times a week. I was doing agility ladder training once a week. And so I was like really built up stamina 
I think that's actually what helped me recover more quickly too. But I was like, I don't want to become a couch potato. My sister had also told me because she broke her ankle years before in a bunch of different places. And, you know, obviously her circumstances at the time were way different. She, I think, had one of her kids or two. I can't remember. But um, she was telling me like that she went into a depression and she was drinking every day and that like messed with the healing too. And, um, and it was just like a really dark time for her. And so I learned from her telling me that, you know, I appreciated her sharing that because then it was like, okay, like I can start to set up, set expectations for what I don't want to do. So I actually didn't allow myself to drink the whole time that I was recovering in the boot because I didn't, or I think I drank, I think Crusher and another um, Smacks came over once. Like I didn't, I wasn't drinking alone in other words, um, which I usually don't anyway, but they came over and we had a wine night and I think, yeah, I was still on crutches, but yeah, but I didn't really, especially when I was on the, they gave me oxycodone for the pain at first. And so I was like, I'm not fucking with drinking and like doubling that up because I don't know. I'm just really cognizant about the behaviors that I engage in and like how they could affect me long-term. So like, obviously I'm not perfect. I've been actually smoking cigarettes when I've been going out lately and I'm trying to get out of that too, because I don't know, it's just so easy to go down a spiral and, you know, and I, worked really hard to get myself into a good place physically and mentally. I battled depression and binge eating disorder and a bunch of other shit like growing up and anxiety. And I was like, I did all this inner work so I could get past that. So I just, again, like, and thinking of the pattern of depression, like what it would do to get me into that depression. Um, yeah. Oh, speaking of better help, by the way, I only like talked to my therapist a few times And he just seemed so disengaged and disinterested and like wasn't asking me follow-up questions. Like it seemed like I was a burden to him. And like I told him my goals and stuff, but, or like I told him why I wanted to go to therapy, but he kept saying like, well, beyond that, like what are your personal goals? And I'm like, I don't have any personal like goals right now. I'm just trying to survive the next few months. And so I don't know. I just was like, I know you can switch therapists whenever, but I was like, I don't want to go through this like, a bunch of times having to tell my story because I would give him like a long like paragraph or a voice note or whatever like saying I would answer his question if he asked one like thoroughly and he would just give me like a one-word answer or something I was like I have friends that are better therapists than you dude so I canceled it and I was like I think I I also realized I was like I think I'm good because I had the support system that was the biggest thing for me I, because when I went into my depression the year before, I didn't have a support system. And so now I did, and that honestly changed everything for me. And then the other thing was just having an overall awareness of my, how my habits impact my mental health and, and knowing that I had to get up every day and have some sort of routine so that I felt like because I couldn't really leave the house that I felt like I was doing something again crutching around the house so that I was like staying active um what else did I do I journaled a lot I I school I think really helped having school again because I had that structure I had something to take my mind off of things 
Um, I, you know, ate well. I, I kind of ate like I always do, like cooked for myself. Sort of. It was, it was like I had to go for more convenience because cooking was a little bit difficult, but I made it work. And, um, hmm, what else did I do? What else? Um, I'm trying to think. I made a whole like Instagram post about it because, um, I don't know. I feel like it's like easier said than done. I read the book Atomic Habits a few years ago, and I've talked about that on the podcast too that it changed my life because now when I think about building a habit or changing a behavior, it's so easy for me to do it because the book like set me up to know exactly how to do it. So if you haven't read that book yet, I highly recommend just like really taking it in. And yeah, so now I'm out of the boot. I'm, uh, I'm walking. I've been out for gosh, a few weeks now, maybe the, oh, I think the whole month. Yeah, I think beginning of March, I got it off, started going to physical therapy. They just upped my physical therapy from once a week to twice a week because I saw the the therapist for a follow-up and she was like, okay, like now you're at the point. She's like, things have been going slowly, but now you're at the point where you're ready to hit the ground running and we're going to start really pushing you. So I was really grateful for that. That's also why when I've gone out the last few times, I'm like, I can't smoke anymore because I'm feeling it in my lungs. Like it's, you know, like it's so weird how we do things and like we know that it's destructive, but we're like, well, well, I don't know. I think I need a little bit of naughty in my life though. I need to rebel. I've realized that like whenever I've tried to live a perfectly structured life, I like, I, I, I don't know, like it doesn't, I don't feel satisfied and fulfilled. I have to rebel. Oh, speaking of, um, cause I, t- I think I just, something I just said reminded me the other thing that was important for me was my environment while I was healing. So if you've ever been to my house, <laughs> um, it's very like, we're, I'm like kind of like a minimalist. So very minimal decoration. I keep it like clean and just calm. Like it's my sanctuary. Cause I grew up in chaos and, um, not like to be dramatic or whatever, but I, I think maybe a lot of us feel this way. It's like when you grow up and you, you're kind of at the mercy of like your family and you can't really control your environment as much. And I had two other siblings. And so for me now, it's so important that I curate my space for healing. So I had a really healing space and kept the house clean. And that also gave me exercise on the crutches. So that worked out. Um, So yeah, I'm in physical therapy twice a week now back in the gym. I'm just, I've just been doing, uh, lifting weights three times a week outside of therapy. And then, yeah. And then, um, after I lift weights every day, I go walk on the track of about a half mile. That's where it starts to hurt right now. Or I ride the bike because the bike feels fine. And I've been showing up to the derby practices when I can and just cheering on the team, taking videos and pictures of them. My friend is doing like a karaoke competition on bass that I I did last year and actually won second place. And so I really was like encouraging her to do it this year and she did. And so I've been there every single week on Thursdays cheering her on. And then on the weekends, I've been going out with friends and just enjoying this oh this weather before it gets super hot and humid and all the spiders come out again but yeah everything is really good um 
And obviously, I think you've gathered by now, I didn't fall into the depression and I came out the other side and just was so grateful reflecting on, like I said, like how it was an indication or I don't, I can't think of what I'm trying to say here, but how it was like a testament. That's what it is. How it was a testament to all the inner work I've done over the past years. And if you've been around for all of that, you've probably witnessed the growth in all the different like departments and this podcast, really, if you go back to episode one, now we're on episode, what, like one, am I 139, 140, something crazy like that. And you would see, you would hear the growth and progression and that wasn't just by accident. Like I've been really working at it and it just feels really good. I think for me, in order to be happy, I have to have goals and be working towards something. I have to have something in my life that matters and people. Like I, for a while there, got so caught up in when I was like first trying to build an online business, I started to get caught up on like the number of followers and the like, I don't know, just trying to be perfect. I also can, that's my other addictive behavior is I fall into perfectionist tendencies. I think that's why I do like the rebellion because it helps me like embrace my imperfections and like be okay with it. Um, and just accept myself as a whole. But, um, I totally lost my train of thought there, but (laughs) whoops. But anyway, yeah. So, uh, oh my gosh, what was I trying to say? Oh yeah, so I had like got so caught up in like status and like what outward success looked like and I don't know, I kind of like got a big head for a little bit there. Like my ego was inflating and and that's another like thing that I do sometimes, like a behavior that I've noticed from from studying Brené Brown's work, I've learned a lot about that, like catching myself. I forget how she phrases like what that's called, but I notice that one of the things that I do is like when I start to feel superior, that's a warning for me. It's like if I'm starting to feel superior or like bratty, I guess, then I'm like, oh shit, like I gotta, I gotta check in with myself. So yeah, so um, I was going down that space and then I kind of came back to reality and that's when I had to strip everything bare, just go back like shut down my business, uh, stopped focusing so much on social media, um, stepped away from my friendships that I was building and just took time for myself. And that's how I rebuilt to where I am today. And again, that's how I, I guess, developed the resilience to get through this. And, you know, I would really love to just have a little bit of peace. I shouldn't even ask for this because I feel like that's when you, it's like goes the other way. But I would really like to enjoy just, you know, I, I just, I just endured a challenge and I'd like some, maybe I'd like to coast for a little bit and then like, like I said, continue to work on my passions and stuff and just start building up from there. Oh, that's the other thing is like from being in the online coaching space, they're always talking about like make millions and live this lifestyle. And that's where, that's where I had got caught up in like all of that and thinking that that's what I needed to be happy. And I'm at the point where like, because of the, the, um, money I've been getting from the GI bill and stuff and like my VA benefits the last year and just the position that we're in being overseas and not having as much bills and stuff. 
for the first time in my life, I've been able to really work on building my wardrobe into being like exactly what I want it to be. And that has built my confidence so much and just like changed the way that I feel to where I feel really content. I think that in life, I don't need millions of dollars. Like we're still traveling over here. We're still seeing the world and we don't have a million dollars. And like, I just love that I have all like a closet full of clothes that I love. I love getting dressed. It's exciting to me. And then I have people in my life, like a community of people that I just absolutely love. And I mean, of course I'll take more if, if that's an option, but I, this is all I need to be happy. And that's been really liberating to realize that I don't need all that I thought that I did that. I was like, I fell into the shoulds of like being told that this is what makes people happy. And like, I knew like, we know money doesn't buy happiness. Of course it adds to it, but you have to have that foundational piece first. Like you have to be able to look in the mirror every day and like what you see. And I'm not just talking like service level, um, but I'm more so talking like you have to be at peace with yourself before you have to be acting in integrity of like who you know that you are or that's just going to eat away at you every day. And so if you can get to that place, then you can build up from that point. So anyway, that's my leg story or ankle. Everyone always like says leg or foot. So I just got in the habit of that. Um, okay. So I guess I do have a little bit of time. I'm still like, I used to, I mean, record episodes that were super long. Let me know if you're not following me on Instagram. I'm at Lauren M. Kendrick. I think my intro and outro still says Kepler, but, um, Lauren M. Kendrick, let me know like what your ideal length is for me. I like podcasts that do run about an hour because I hate having to like change a podcast every like 20, if they're like 20 minutes long or 10 minutes long, if it's below 20 minutes, I won't even turn it on. Cause I'm like, then I'm going to have to, and I just feel like you don't get much substance in that amount of time. I really like to like get into the things. So, so let me know what your ideal time is. Is it between like 30 to 60 minutes, 30 to 45? Um, okay. So talking about posing tips to feel like a baddie in front of the camera, like I said, this comes from Ella Halikis. And also like, these are things I learned. I've invested in online courses that like teach you how to be more comfortable in front of the camera. So the first thing that she said is like, and I'm talking more so if you've seen my Instagram and stuff like the, the like smolder that I give, um, that kind of style where you're like, just trying to look like, I don't know, cool girl vibes. Um, I feel like if you say cool girl vibes, like makes you not cool, but no, I, I mean, people might think that I don't think that I think I have cool girl vibes cause I try to. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I totally ruined that. Anyway, I'm totally nerd. So, um, so you look at the camera and like, I will act like it's someone I'm trying to seduce. So I kind of like lower my eyes a little bit, but not like where you're squinting. You just kind of like squinch them. One of the courses I took said the word squinch and I was like, yeah, that's kind of like, it. it's like a little squinty, so you like squinch and you just like, um, open up your mouth like slightly, like just slightly part your lips and just, you know, give it a little, not duck face level, but just like a, like a smaller, like bedroom eyes and a, and a little, one of the girls I know, Bonnie Wirick, I, I can't, I don't know if I pronounced her name right, but she calls it, she says prune. 
she'll say prune. And the way that her lips go when she says prune is how she likes to pose. So you can try that out for yourself. But the biggest thing in terms of like trying to get your body a way that you like to see on camera, that like basically like getting the, how do I say this best? Like getting the best, like getting the camera to represent your body in the best way is to make shapes with your body. So instead of like being like you, you're like, instead of being just a flat one dimensional object, you're actually creating dimension. So if that's me, like you don't have to put your hand on your hip, but you can rest your hand like on your thigh. This is what I've been doing lately. And just kind of like pin your elbow back a little. So you're sort of creating triangle. The, the key is to create like triangle shapes and stuff so that you're lengthening and, and like I said, just creating dimension so that you're not just this like flat character. You want to just try and enhance the natural curves that are in your body. So if that's like pushing, if you don't have curves, like curves, pushing like your hip out and you know, like using what we got. If you're a guy, I'm sorry, I'm, I, I don't have anything for you, but my husband has been studying up on that. So maybe when he gets back from deployment, I'll have him on and he can talk about that. <laughs> but that's personally what I do. And the other thing is the big piece is just having a wardrobe, having clothes that you, that you feel good in. Because if you don't, then you're not even going to be able to get to that place where you're comfortable in front of the camera. And just owning that like maybe on the inside, you don't feel sexy or good or whatever, but in your head, you're like, it doesn't matter. Like you're just, you're playing the part, even if it's, you have to act for a, a little bit until you believe it. Like you're just like, I'm the sexy vixen right now and I'm going to push my hip out and make a face at you. And that really makes a difference. Sometimes I'll be like, this is going to look so stupid on camera, but I go through the motions of it and I'm like, oh, like it does actually translate really well. And so I like to wear clothes that are form fitting around my favorite like curves of my body, my features. So I like things that either accentuate my waist or crop tops in general, or, um, I love my legs. Like actually I'm at the point where I really love my body. I feel really good in my body. And not everyone feels that way about it. So I guess this is um, the segue into the final topic of this episode is the male gaze is validation of I am not the body standard right now or yeah, I mean right now because I once was maybe. Um, but I am especially being over here in Japan where like everyone is so little I've noticed even like the military men over here are really just into thin girls. And I don't remember because like being active duty, I mean, I could pull anyone I wanted, honestly, but I was also young in my 20s. But I've always noticed a significant difference. It's so funny because it's a fluctuation of 20 pounds. Like if I am down 20 pounds, like I get so much attention and validation from men and everybody. And then if I'm up 20 pounds, I am like, I don't know. Right now I'm kind of in the middle. When I first started going out here, I hated it because it was post COVID. I was like on medications for blood pressure and, and thyroid and stuff. And 
I don't know what happened, but I gained 30 pounds. Like I still kept up my healthy habits during quarantine. Like I wasn't drinking, like I was still working out at home. But I, so that's why I blame the medication because even my face like changed. It got like a, like it got really, I don't know. I, I just didn't recognize myself for a while. And so when I first got here, I would go out and for the first time in my life, I started getting the compliment of, oh, you have such a pretty face. And if you are a curvy girl, you know what that means. That means that what they're saying is like you, um, like your face is pretty, but they're not going to comment on your body or your weight because they don't have anything nice to say, which so polite of you, but also like, I know what that means when you say you have such a pretty face. And actually that like, I'm not even exaggerating because one night I was out at the bar and this guy was like, yeah, you have such a pretty face. And I was like, well, what about the rest of me? And he looks at me, and goes, I, I like skinny. I prefer skinny girls. And I was like, well, I'm not trying to sleep with you, dude. Like, I'm just having a conversation. My husband is right there. And this, the girl, this other girl that was there, she was also like curvy. She had right before that told me like, like, oh, it's so hard to date as like the fat friend because like guys like just ignore you. And she's like, you know what that's like. And I was like, no, like my husband's obsessed with me. Um, obviously I didn't say that, like, I'm not a jerk. I was, but, but I just was like, well, it kind of was jerky what she said too. But, um, yeah, so she kind of started to go off on that guy for saying that to me. And I was like, it's fine. Like, it's fine to have preferences. And like, he wasn't rude about it. I asked like, and he just was like, I prefer skinny girls. I'm like, oh, that's totally fine. Like he was telling me about his girlfriend and stuff. And, um, but it, it just is like, Sometimes I get so caught up in thinking that like I have to fit the like when I think about am I beautiful or hot or sexy or whatever I think of like oh what would a man say like again the male gaze like would I go out and be able to like get someone uh and I think since like moving or since living here for a few years like I don't think I necessarily lost weight but after doing roller derby and getting back into regular activity, like I started to look more like myself. Like I'm still the heaviest I've ever been. Like I'm over 200 pounds and I don't like mind that, but sometimes I forget. Like I've, I have, I have this like reverse body dysmorphia where in my mind I'm this snatched ass, like just hot ass bitch. And then, um, and then I'll get like comments like where people will say like, Oh, like so, so and so, like he wouldn't sleep with you. Like you're not his type. You're too big or whatever. And then it throw like it, it's like what? Like or I'll see p- pictures or videos of myself at practice, and I'm like, like who is that? I am starting to catch up to like recognizing myself, but um, I had normally, like I said, stayed in a range of like a fluctuation of give or take twenty pounds. But when I gained thirty pounds over quarantine, like that just took me to a level I had never been. So I look different than I've ever looked. Um, but I'm also in my thirties now and I don't know, like I've really filled out like curve wise in a way that I really like, because I remember when I used to go on diets and like start to lose weight, I would start to lose my curves. And I felt really sad about that. Like now my boobs and butt are bigger than they've ever been. (laughs) And like, I'm loving it. And I will be completely happy and at peace with myself. 
like I even got to the point where like my belly was always my biggest insecurity and that was something I never thought I would get past. But recently I've actually been like touching it and like feeling sexy, like feeling that my belly is sexy. And then, um, I'll be perfectly content. And then someone will make a comment about my body or my weight. And I, it just throws me off. Cause then I'm like, Oh God, like people see me, like, it makes me feel so naked to know that people actually like look at my body and make judgments. Like I've heard comments of like my friend's husband's talking about my body when I'm not around, like, like, Oh, she's a bigger girl or whatever. Um, and most of the time when people are saying it, it's like normal or harmless to them, but it really fucks with me. And so I have to go back all the time to be like, not just, I don't get validation for how I feel about myself from anybody. I learned a few years ago to practice not attaching to positive or negative praise. So not like anchoring it on what somebody says badly, but even positively, because then you get into a space where you're like, I'm such a, I, I'm a recovering people pleaser. And so it's like, well, I don't, if someone compliments me, I don't want to let them down. If like, if someone compliments me on weight loss and then I'm like, well, if I gain weight, I'll disappoint you. And then now I'm attached to what they think. And I hate that, like, even though I know this, I still go back to that place of, like, being thrown off by what other people think about me. And so what I have been doing is just practicing, like, going back into myself, back and returning to my body and thinking, like, what does it feel like to be in this body? Do I feel comfortable? Do I feel good? And the answer, 99.2. 99% of the time is like, yes, I feel so good in this body. So why do I leave it up to other people? Why do I have to judge how I feel like how hot I am based on how many guys hit on me when I go out? It's just, and especially like, I don't know, men. And uh, I'm sorry to say this, but like white men really do want small women. And I don't know exactly why that is. My theory is like they want a submissive small woman who makes them feel big, maybe compensating for insecurities. And I'm not speaking for all white men, of course, or men in general, but I've noticed like different cultures, like black men. Um, I was talking to a Nigerian guy at the bar last night and he was like, you know, in our culture, like we embrace body diversity. It's normal to see people in a range of sizes. So as a curvier woman and a larger woman, Like, even when I was at my thinnest, I was still, like, considered, like, big. And having men that appreciate that and the fact that, like, not only do I have a presence and a, like, I'm a larger woman, but, like, I'm a strong woman. And my husband is so good at, like, being okay. Like, he's so secure in himself that he is not intimidated by all the space that I take up. That's been the biggest thing is getting comfortable as a woman taking up space because some men really don't like that. Some men feel really threatened by that. And it's like, dude, I'm not trying to like overpower you. I'm just trying to like stand firm in who I am as a person and make the world a better place. And I want the same for you. Like, can we be partners in that? Like, I'm not trying to say I'm better than you in any sort of way. I just want to be seen 
for who I am and not for the body that I inhabit. So I'm just going to end this episode by sharing a poem that I wrote a few days ago when I was thinking about this topic of the male gaze. And in general, it turned into more so a poem about positive, like not attaching to positive or negative praise, like returning to my body. So I find myself measuring my body's worth through the male gaze and forgetting all the ways I'm so much more than the vessel that gets me through the day. He tells me, you have such a pretty face. I'd go out with you if you lose some weight. I just love your soft body. Lose weight, fatty. Ew, I'd never date her. She's too fat. She tells me, I wish I had your confidence. You're the prettiest girl I've ever seen. You look so good all the time. I want to look like you. You're so damn beautiful. He brings me down. She pulls me up. And I'm caught in the crossfire of forgetting that we're all wired to care what others think. I'm torn, confused, and losing sleep until in a sudden sweep my body whispers, come back to me. And that is my poem on the male gaze and my whole conversation on male gaze and posing tips and ankle stuff. So if you resonated with any of this and you want to hear more, please subscribe. I am just going to honestly, like, I'm not going to commit to any particular day of the week or schedule of posting. So if you subscribe, then you'll just see when a new episode airs. I'm going to try to at least get out two episodes a month and then maybe build up to four like I was doing before. Um, But either way, I'd love to continue the conversation with you. Again, the best place to reach me is on Instagram at Lauren M. Kendrick. Let me know what you thought, what resonated with you, what you learned from this episode. If you want to share it to your story and like share your biggest takeaway and tag me or really anything. I'm open for any any sort of expression of love because I love hearing from you. So I will chat with you again next week. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week whenever you're listening to this and we'll talk again soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you did, I'd love for you to share it with a friend or leave a five-star review wherever you listen. Have an idea you want to pitch or just feel like chatting with me about the episode? Come find me on Instagram at Lauren M. Kendrick. Can't wait to hear from you.